Welcome to a new episode of OT Cyber from the plant floor up. We have a special guest today, Eric Perch from Elite Ops, and our amazing host, Jeff Smith, the CTO here at Dynex. Welcome, Jeff and Eric. Good morning, Jen. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Jeff, do you want to kick it off by asking Eric about his background and all that jazz? Absolutely. So um, we've got Eric on the call with us. Eric is one of the uh, cybersecurity technology partners with Dynic. I should say Eric and his company. A um, little bit of background on Eric. He started in the United States Marine Corps in cybersecurity. Thank you for your service. And did a lot of engineering and architecture there and classified uh, work in the cybersecurity space. And uh, per his own words, decided to um, do the idiot move of starting his own company, which it seems like has uh, turned out to be pretty successful for you, Eric. Yeah, Jeff, thanks for the introduction. Yeah, uh, did a lot of, did a lot of work in the Marine Corps and uh, just love cybersecurity. It's a, I always say it's a passion of mine. It's not really a job. Um, so just got really into it in the Marines and uh, I was on the uh, the vendor side um, of security technologies at companies like Palo Alto and companies like that for about 15 years and decided I saw some um, some gaps in the value-added reseller market and got super excited and came over here and started it up. Sounds great. So how long how long is Elite Ops? How long how long has there been in Elite Ops? Yeah, so Elite Ops has only been out now for um, about six months. So I left my job about six months ago to uh, over and really start focusing on it. But I'd say that um, all of our resources and everything have been onboarded and we've been helping uh, about about 20 to 30 different customers now over the last three months. That's actually a little surprising because uh, you guys truly seem like you've got it all together. You seem like you're, you've got a talented group of guys. It seems like you've got a focus and um, that's, I don't often see that with companies that have been on the books about six months. So that speaks a lot towards your experience and the experience of your team. So that's yeah, for sure. It's, it's really the experience of my team. The, the, the people we brought over are just, tremendous they've been in the industry you know 15 20 years as well and um you know the they, our, our model um is a little bit different than other value-added resellers so with that model uh the the what we tell customers is really resonating and really the company's built um for customers we interviewed a lot of customers and all the ideas came from them so uh brought got amazing people over and uh, have some amazing customers we talked to that have partnered up with us and we're super excited to help them and uh, hopefully change the whole entire model across the U.S. of how uh, value-added resellers work with customers. So that's really an odd idea, actually involving your customers in the direction your company takes. What kind of crazy talk is that, Eric? I mean, it's uh, it's just unheard of in today's environment. Most people just do what they want to do, throw this out and say, this is what we're going to do. So actually bringing the customers in, is it's funny because I talk about that all the time. So I'm saying this all a little tongue-in-cheek. Um, and I've got another good friend of mine who's got a business down in, in Texas who he and I talk about that frequently, that it's, it's just amazing how many people start companies and they're not starting the company because they want to help solve problems. They're, they're starting the company because they want to have a company and they don't even talk to the customers or the end users who should be driving the nature and the form of the business. They just kind of throw spaghetti against the wall and, you know, sometimes they're lucky enough that it sticks, but if you figure out how to cook the spaghetti first, it probably goes a long ways. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's really why we started. It was, uh, you know, I've, I've partnered with a lot of CISOs, CISOs, however you uh, pronounce it, wherever you're from. 
but um uh, you know just partnering with them over the last 15 years and solving you know a lot of different security challenges um i kept hearing the same things over and over again of of how the value-added reseller market's kind of failing them so um i just kept digging into that and then you know i think i was at dinner with a a cso like a year ago and he's like Hey man, you got so many good ideas of how you could innovate the value out of reseller market. You should go start the start your own company, and and it really started to spin around in my brain. And I'm like, you know what? I think we could help customers and go do this. Yeah, that's great. It's um, the other thing I'd point out too is you know, and this it for for the folks that are listening is um, you know Eric's Eric's got a lot of experience, and his team's got a lot of experience in the IT cyberspace, but. Um, they've got quite a bit of experience in the OT space. So, so there's, there's, um, and I wasn't aware of that when we first started talking, I think we met down at a, we have a joint or a, a customer in common, let's say that kind of led to this partnership and in conversations with you there, I, I learned a lot more about the skill set and the, the broad breadth of skills that your team has that covers not only the IT space, obviously, but the OT space as well. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, OT security has always been important. Um, I don't think that it's ever not been important, but I'd say over the last probably three years, we've seen a significant increase of the board level really caring about OT security. So it used to be the the cybersecurity team would come to us say, hey man, like we got OT project and we don't have a lot of budget and we're probably just going to use some of the stuff that we use on the enterprise side, but that's been just shifted so much. Um, with all the attacks and supply chain attacks and all the craziness kind of going on with, you know, VPNs and, and different things, um, you know, we've seen that OT security has become just more and more important. And these are board level conversations, right? Hey, these are, are um, you know, the most important critical systems that make us money on these floors. We got to protect these things. So I've just seen, and I'm sure you guys have seen this too, but just over the last two, three years, the board really caring and budget really opening up on the OT security space. Yeah, I think they've uh, they've figured out what I've been telling people for years is that um, if if you don't protect manufacturing, um, that's where the if you don't protect your manufacturing environment as an executive level decision maker, um, that's where your money comes from. So IT is great and. Having all the IT cyber is great, but at the end of the day, if you're a manufacturer and you are not safely and securely putting products out the back door, you don't need any of the rest of those services. You don't need IT, you don't need management, you don't need staff or employees. At the end of the day, if you're a manufacturer, your goal is to manufacture. And if someone is able to compromise the very means of that manufacturing and you're not doing what you can to protect it, um, it's going to significantly impact your bottom line, which is going to impact the success and the longevity of your customer. Um, and I think a lot of these uh, CISOs and C-level executives have figured out that uh, their their career path involves um, protecting the OT space because if they don't, they won't have much of a career path. No, I 100% agree. It's, uh, you know, businesses are in uh, in in motion to to make a bunch of money, right? And if your business isn't profitable or doing well, um, then you're probably not making as much money. And I'd say that, uh, you know, we've seen a lot over the last couple of years that the shop floors are just becoming more and more automated, right? Um, each year, you know, new technology comes out that helps, you know, speed up the production times, speed up the floor times. Um, and, and I think like as we're embedding more and more technology into the shop floor, 
um, that also leaves a lot more gaps from a security perspective. So um, I've seen a lot of um, successful CISOs really changing their thought process of, okay, like I have to enable the business. I can't just lock all this stuff down because if I lock it down, our competition is going to have better technology than us and they're going to be able to produce more, better and faster. So I'm going to have to enable the business and allow this to be open. But how do I allow this to be open in a secure fashion that does enable the business to move at a way more cyclic rate um, than our competition? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so interesting. <laughs> I guess I'd like to talk a little bit about um, the the partnership or the relationship that 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 we've kind of developed and we're, we're marching forward with because I know on the dining side, we're pretty excited about it. Um, you know, when, when you work with a company that has the, the skill set, the capabilities, and just the, the presence in the industry that elite ops has, um, I, I have to say, um, you know, we're, we're, we feel fortunate that you, you like our products, you like what we do with them, you like how we deliver it to the OT space. But from your perspective, um, why Dynex? What about Dynex in our OT cybersecurity um, leads you to focus on what we do versus perhaps the other people in the industry? So, yeah, I mean, I'll take 10 seconds and maybe just explain um, the lead ops model just a little bit. And um, I think it'll make sense on why we selected it. But a lead ops is a, a value added reseller, but we specialize in just security. Um, traditional resellers, they emphasize you know, sales and deal registration while our hearts lie in technical operations and, and getting customers true ROI out of their security tools. Our team is built with less salespeople and it allows us to take those commissions that you would normally give to salespeople uh, and, and put those in and reinvest them back into the customers with engineering and architectural expertise. Um, so we kind of take the risk with the customers and own the projects from start to finish. And the end goal is to get customers to... Uh, uh, having an operational security program they're super proud of. Um, and with that being said, I, I kind of see like three levels that we really work with customers on. It's visibility, prevention, and automation. And we kind of work in that order. And we had a lot of projects come up with uh, OT security. And I, I kept finding products that we might be able to use to get visibility of the shop floor. Um, and I'd find products that we might be able to do prevention and automation. But the pain point was, is we were always just using like enterprise firewalls and we had to, you know, segment the shop floor up and um, you might be able to do that with three or four, um, you know, different factories. But a lot of our customers are enterprise. So they have hundreds of factories, hundreds of floors. Um, so a lot of the times we'd start with that visibility piece and we buy technologies out there in the market to get great visibility, great risk management, really good technology. But then it's like, okay, this is great. Now we got to prevent things. Uh, we got to automate things. We got to make our customers' life easy. And I just couldn't find a product out there that you didn't end up having to segment the crap out of the shop floor to to enable prevention, right, and automation. And um, when we started working together, Jeff, it was like that that first factory we did together with that mutual customer. I think it was like two hours, right? We installed you guys' switches. We put the controllers in. The next thing you know, we knew everything on the floor. And with a couple clicks of a couple buttons, we had full micro segmentation and a policy written over uh, two hours of being in a learning mode. And so I was just super impressed that I was able to accomplish visibility, uh, prevention, and automation on that floor uh, within a couple hours 
And normally that project would take my team with enterprise security tools months <laughs> to, to get just one factory done. And then to get a company with hundreds of factories out there might take us years to accomplish. Yeah. Which some in the services industry might look at that and go, oh, only two hours. Um, but obviously that's not the case here because as you've stated a dozen times, you're your, your end goal is your customer's satisfaction and, and your ability to enable them to secure their OT space. And that's that's really something that, you know, our our background is the OT space. And, and while our tools are very capable in an enterprise IT area, um, they're, they're really designed with a lot of the challenges that are unique to the OT space. Um, you know, visibility being a common challenge everywhere. So, we don't have necessarily the the corner of the market on visibility because there's lots of tools that bring visibility. Um, but what we do have is visibility and control slash prevention, um, which is, is very important. And um, and then to follow that up, we have the ability to, uh, you know, so many times I hear customers I'm talking to, they have these complex solutions and the complex solution, they, they might get it to the point where it works or, or their supplier or vendor might get it to the point where it works. But at the end of the day, it's so convoluted and so complex that, you know, they're they're on the floor, they're in manufacturing, they're trying to do what they do, which is their core competency, which is manufacture. Um, none of them look at, you know, cybersecurity or any of this visibility or control and prevention as something they want to do. So it has to be easy. It has to be, you know, it has to be something they can set up that that once they go through the effort of setting it up, which is not tremendous, then then there's a level of automation that helps, you know, make things easier. I, I tell people that our solutions work like you think on the plant floor. Um, you know, I want this PLC to talk to that robot over this protocol. And and that's how you configure the system. You you think about it just like that. So it it We've definitely done that on purpose. It's by design. Yeah, I think when we were in the uh, our mutual customer and we were working on it, like I'm so used to working with the guys in suits and the security engineers um, at these big companies, and it was kind of interesting because you go there and you're and you're doing like a massive OT project, and you know they got their boots on and you know their uh, you know their hard hats and everything like that. It's a completely different environment, and I think if I quote it right. Um, you know, the customer said, hey, you know, what I like about this solution is it just works. Like, I don't have the security team coming to me all the time going, hey, I just saw some visibility that um, this is happening on the floor and I don't like that. So then I got to go in and, you know, maybe move cables or change a bunch of rules on a firewall somewhere and and do a bunch of work. He's like, what's nice about Dynex is we put it in, it just works, right? Um, every, we know everything that was talking to everything. We built our policy and I don't have to worry about uh, the security team reaching out to me and going, hey, go make all these 20 changes to keep something secure. I just know it's secure. Honestly, that comes from me being inherently lazy uh, and having been in manufacturing for 25 years as an end user, I, I just didn't care for two o'clock in the morning phone calls or 6 a.m. wake up calls that address this, go take care of this, do this, do that. So um, lazy folks like me come up with some of the coolest things. So that's kind of uh, been the nexus for some of our ideas is the the pain points and the struggles that I had on the plant floor. So uh, I, I appreciate your feedback on that. It's, it's definitely useful. Um, and it's definitely, um, you know, we, we try to do what we do and we try to do it for the right reasons. So getting feedback from partners like that is, uh, it, 
it hits it hits well and lands well and and, and kind of makes us look back at what we're doing and say okay we're we're going the right way with this stuff so that's great yeah and i'll add in one more thing of like um the, the last big piece and a lot of customers don't ever get to this but i think with your technology they get to it pretty quickly is there's always the mantra of like hey like there, there's macro segmentation and then there's micro segmentation right and i like to talk about macro segmentation of like okay Maybe we put all of our PLCs in one area or we start grouping things together and putting them in VLANs and segmenting the floor, whatever. I mean, that's how we used to have to do things. Um, and those are the things that take forever. But what I really like about like you guys' technology is because it's software-defined networking, like I wouldn't even configure the shop floor if I bought Dynex with VLANs. Um, it's just beautiful that you can write policy on each port of the switch and it, it gives you just ultimate flexibility. Like, let's say you bring a really expensive machine in on the floor, and now you got a PLC that's kind of running, um, you're, you know, running that that expensive machine, whatever it is. Um, you could plug those things in. It could be a complete, uh, you know, flat shop floor network, and you could go into that one port and say, hey, the only thing this PLC talks to is that machine over there. And yeah, maybe some contractor needs to update this. Cool, allow them to talk to it. It just makes life so much more flexible having to be able to write policy by port, you know, by machine and not having to segment um, all the VLANs out. So I think that, it, you know, as you know, we evolved with you guys, I think a lot of the stuff we've done was more on like the macro um, segmentation level, because when we first started, we like really didn't truly understand you guys' technology. But now that we're like digging into it a little bit more, I think you know, micro segmentation just becomes a lot more simplistic with your tool. And I think that um, with your tool sets, and I think that we are talking to customers differently now, instead of saying, hey, this is a six month process, here's how we're gonna do it. It's, hey guys, it's a day long process. And I know you don't think micro segmentation is even possible on the floor, but it really is with this technology. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, I tell people all the time, I said, if you've, if you've been doing, you know, traditional networking and cybersecurity for years, you know, while what we do is, is it's just standard ethernet based networking and security, it's the way we go about it and the way we manage the, the technology and how we go about managing it. You'll have to, you'll have to retrain yourself a little bit because we, we've engineered some of the complexities out of it, right? No VLANs, no, no spanning trees required. Um, but the ability to connect to legacy and systems that everybody has 10,000 of, um, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's the way we did it. And sometimes it's just kind of like a mind twist to get your head around it. Um, well, I think the, the last thing I'd like to talk a little bit about is, um, <clears throat> have you got any thoughts on any of the current events going on right now in the, in the OT cyberspace? And what do you think, uh, what do you think the next big thing is in OT cyber or cybersecurity in general? Yeah, I think that, you know, because AI has come out, there's just, um, there's so much right now around like, what can we do with the data that we have to produce better products, to produce better outcomes for the company? So like, I'm seeing a lot of conversations um, about like AI on the shop floor, right? How do we even automate things better? How do we um, take some of the data from the machines you know, go put it in a data lake and look at that data and make some really intelligent decisions um, for the machines. How do we do preventative maintenance, right? Of taking some of the data from the machines and going, hey, this probably doesn't look right. I don't like the way this is running. Or I don't like the temperature over here. So a lot of our customers are talking about, you know, 
how do we securely take data um, from the shop floor and go put it in a bucket somewhere where we can run a lot of analytics on it? And I think that brings more and more technology into the floor, um, which causes a lot more, you know, cybersecurity incidents um, on the floor. So if you look at a lot of the news that's come out, it's new technology, right? They bring new technology into the floor. Um, they probably don't secure it the right way and they still have that old school mindset. And next thing you know, something's popping on the news, right? So I think you're going to see a big shift with data um, in the OT security space. And I think you're going to see a big shift on uh, more and more automation um, as they're swapping out equipment and it's becoming. And I think with that automation, um, security is just going to be even more and more important um, and, and as kind of all this technology grows on the floor. I, I agree. Without a doubt, AI is going to make a big impact in that area. It's it's funny. I'm a bit of a chat GPT junkie now. I find that uh, it makes so many simple tasks in the course of my day, you know, um, just much quicker to get them done. Um, even if it's just little pieces of the puzzle of what I'm working on, it makes it, makes it so much easier. Um, you know, but having been in manufacturing for years, we, we looked at AI for years, you know, probably 10 years ago when the initial whole idea of AI and preventive maintenance and analyzing all of your data. And the one thing that, that I used to talk about and I, and I still talk about it and I have a whole session I give on it is quality of data. Um, we, we had with my former company as an end user, we had terabytes and terabytes of manufacturing data and by and large, most of it was useless. Um, we applied, we applied different AI engines of the time and the day to that, that data. And while everybody's gung ho about collecting data, most people don't stop and think about the integrity and the quality of the data they collect. And unfortunately you can throw the smartest AI engine in the world at a pile of garbage and what you're going to get out is a very expensive pile of garbage. So I think people need to embrace AI as it's moving forward and, and understand the technology, but I also need to drop back and punt and they need to make sure that the data that they collect, and I, I'm going to get on my soapbox here, so I've got to stop, is, is relevant and makes sense. And I've got some interesting stories sometime that maybe we should do another podcast on and just talk about data, the quality of data. Um, integrity of data and, and how important all of that is to the manufacturing process. And of course, protecting that data from an OT cyber perspective is, is super important too. So. Uh, yeah, for sure. Eric, AI advancements are awesome. And like uh, being a Marine, like I use chat GPT to uh, sound smart, I always say. So um, like my emails have gotten a lot better and stuff. And I completely agree. Like, um, the, the model and the data is only as good, or the model and the AI is only as good as the data that you collect. And I think a lot of customers are figuring out that it's not the, it's not the most inexpensive, I hate using the word cheapest, but uh, the most inexpensive to keep all this data, right? And if you look at ChatGPT, I think six months ago, I read an article that it costs $800,000 a day just in storage costs to run ChatGPT for the model. So yeah. I think you're right. You gotta be smart about the data that you're uh, pumping into these models. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, Eric, I think we're out of time for today. I want to thank you again for coming on the podcast and thanks for being the great Dynix uh, OT and cyber technology partner that you are. Uh, I look forward to all of our upcoming projects and uh, all the cool things we can do together. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Mm -hmm.